Thomas Edison, Richard Branson, John F. Kennedy, Mozart, Michael Jordan, Will Smith. That sounds like a list of highly successful titans in a variety of vocations. Why is it that we rarely hear that they have or had ADHD? And you know what we hear even less about? Serena Williams, Emma Watson, Mel Robbins, Whoopi Goldberg, Agatha Christie, Aaron Brockovich, Cher. Yeah, the successful women navigating ADHD. And that's exactly why I started this podcast, ADHD for Smartass Women. I'm your host, Tracy Atsuka. I'm a lawyer, not a doctor, a lifelong student, now a coach. I'm also the creator of Your ADHD Brain is A-OK, a system that helps people like you figure out what they should do with their life. And we're here today to talk ADHD, your strengths, your symptoms, your workarounds, and how you proudly stand out instead of trying to fit in. I credit my ADHD for some of my greatest gifts. And you know what? I spy a happier life for you, too. So without further ado, a shiny new episode is starting now. Hello, I am Tracy Otsuka, and I wanted to welcome you to episode 112 of ADHD for Smartass Women. Before I introduce you to our amazing guest today, I want to remind you that we are hosting our master series, Five Days to Fall in Love with Your ADHD Brain. It starts on March 1st. It's free, and you can sign up at tracyoutsuka.com forward slash I love my brain. So let's start. In this episode, I am going to introduce you to Raven Baxter. Raven is also known as Raven the Science Maven. She's an award-winning and internationally acclaimed science communicator, educator, and molecular biologist who is working to share science and champion for inclusivity and diversity in STEM. She's the founder of Science Haven, a nonprofit organization that operates at the intersections of science, education, and the public. Science Haven houses Stembacy, a live web series that connects the public with science and technology professionals, and Black and Science Communication, a group that works to build relationships in the science community, equipping others with the knowledge and resources necessary to share science with the world in their own flavor. Raven is an entertainer and a content creator known for her unique style of combining science and music that teaches and empowers those in STEM and beyond. She is so innovative and combines hip-hop and science education to engage those who are typically left outside of the mainstream education. She's called the queen of science rap, and this young woman is everywhere, including on Fortune Magazine's 40 Under 40 list of the most influential young leaders for the year, BuzzFeed, Mother Jones Magazine. She's on the mayor of Buffalo's social media accounts, trying to convince teenagers to stay home in the age of COVID. And of course, she also has her very own TEDx talk. Welcome, Raven. Did I get all of that right? Yes. Um, sounds like so many things when you list them all out like that, but you you got it right. Thank you. So I want to know, what do you think about that when you hear it all? Um, definitely sounds like somebody with ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> but it also sounds like someone with an incredibly brilliant brain, right? 
Oh, thank you. That means a lot. You know, I think that I just tried to spend my time filling in gaps that I felt in my own life. And I really just want to improve the lives of others at the end of the day. Um, And there's a lot of work to do. So I have a lot of things to do. (laughs) You are very busy. You're also so fascinating. And I want to tell everyone who's listening why we're even lucky enough to have you here talking to us today. So I have a friend, Dr. Christine Lee. She's a psychologist, but she's also known as the procrastination coach. And I think her her Twitter handle is like at procrastination coach. And you recently shared that you have ADHD on Twitter. So she tagged me on your recent post and said, you need to know about Raven. And I have to tell you, Raven, I was so bowled over, not only by what you do, but also by what you shared. And so I immediately reached out, which I never do. Normally, you know, people get on a list and it takes me months to finally look and say, oh, yeah, that person, you know, that sounded good. I had to talk to you. And what you were talking about, what you had mentioned in this post, is that you were currently shooting film for a network. Can you share what happened? Yeah, A network contacted me. I'm a science communicator, meaning I'm a public-facing scientist, and I communicate scientific concepts to the public, and I do my best to do it in a way that's engaging and informative and exciting. So the network reached out to me. They wanted me to be a correspondent on a series that they have. And it's like a, a narrative thing. They just have a bunch of scientists talking about things that they're covering in their show and just as a um, kind of like a sidebar type situation. And so what it seemed like they wanted me to do was just come in with my expertise and just talk, right? And have have a free-flowing conversation about certain topics. However, when I got there, it, I realized that it was going to look a lot different and that they had a script and that they were they said that they were going to actually feed me lines um, and that it wasn't going to be a free-flowing conversation And what it ended up becoming was 10 hours of them feeding me lines and expecting me to say them back verbatim. There was barely any room for improvisation or adding in my own interpretation. Um, It was very stressful. And, um, you know, that's what happened. And it was kind of a nightmare for me because I have terrible memory recall. And it's, it's not that I can't remember things that are happening in my everyday life, which sometimes that does happen, that's normal. It's just that when you're expected to just parrot things back to someone and just repeat word for word random sentences, I oftentimes struggle with that because I can't remember key elements of the sentence that they want me to repeat. So like, you know, for example, if I, if someone said, you know, repeat after me, Sally and Joe went on Sunday to the dog park, to the zoo and the aquarium while walking their dogs, I probably wouldn't remember any of that. (laughs) I might just remember, oh, there were dogs there. Wouldn't remember who, what, where, or why, or like when. That's just how it is. And so, you know, even though I was being asked during the filming to repeat like really um, simple sentences, I just struggled with it. That's just the nature of having ADHD. And I explained it to them. And I explained, I have ADHD. That's why this is difficult. You know, we would, we would take multiple, multiple, just takes upon takes of the same sentence. 
it took me about two times as long to get through this taping as I guess other scientists that they've had on. And um, they said, well, you know, that's okay. We're going to keep feeding you the lines. And I said, well, we have a screen right here. Like there's a laptop right here. You know, I know you have a script. You can just copy and paste the words onto the screen on the laptop so I can read them. And that would make this go much easier because you guys aren't letting me go off the cuff. You want me to say this verbatim. I'm having trouble remembering all of this. Put it on the screen and we'll be fine. They didn't have a teleprompter. They wouldn't accommodate me in any way, even though they had the resources there. Like even if they didn't have a teleprompter, they still had a screen that they could have copied and pasted the script onto and they just refused. And it was very emotional for me because it just, I felt used. I came there thinking, oh, they want me to just be myself and share my expertise. Not only did they not want that, they wanted me to read from a script and wouldn't even accommodate my personal needs in that situation. And it's just, it felt really terrible. Well, and the whole thing is, it's another situation of this is what works for 95% of the population. So you're going to do it this way Mm -hmm. rather than just, like you said, in your Twitter comments or Twitter thread, I guess is what they call it. You specifically said, look, let me use a teleprompter. I'm really good with a teleprompter. Nobody will be able to tell that I'm reading on the teleprompter because I'm good with it. Like, you know. And I have to tell you, I read that and I was like, oh my gosh, because the exact same thing had happened to me. And I was told, look, it's going to look unnatural to record with a teleprompter. Just trust the process. And I was getting ready to film again. And this time I had a new video guy and he was telling me the same thing. And I remember thinking, "Eh, I don't know. I think it's my brain. But then I just trusted that, well, he's the expert on video. He does this all the time. He must be right. And it must be something that's unique to that first video guy, right? Like it didn't have to do with my brain. And I swear, if I hadn't read your tweet, I would have just gone and done it his way. Mm, No way. (laughs) I was blown away because like I work with ADHD women every day and WTF, I was not trusting myself that, no, I know what works for me Mm -hmm. and, you know, what doesn't work for me. And I know my strengths. I'm certainly confident in my abilities. Right. But it took hearing your story. And so I just wanted to point out to our wonderful listeners again, the importance of community for our ADHD brains. Because when I heard that, oh my gosh, she's a scientist, she's working on her PhD, she's clearly brilliant. Knowing that you struggle with the same thing made me feel so much better, but it also solidified that no, this is how my brain works and this is how it doesn't. So thank you so much about, you know, for, for speaking up, like we need to talk about these things. And I'm so very grateful that you did. Thank you. And to add on to your point, we do need this community, especially because of the stigma um, and all the nuances that are around ADHD that people don't understand that aren't impacted by this. And it's just important that we have each other to protect each other and have these conversations because on the outside, you oftentimes wouldn't think that we're any different than anybody else. But on the inside, in our brains, they're doing some funky things, right? And funky things that I don't, you know, a lot of people wouldn't understand. And having the circle to talk about this is important. I was very nervous making that Twitter thread because of 
how ADHD is stigmatized and how inaccurately represented it is in the media and social Mm -hmm. media. But I was very fortunate to have the outpouring of support from, you know, the general public. And I didn't see any comments. I actually read pretty much all the comments on the thread. There were, I want to say hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of comments, (laughs) but nobody discounted my experience, which was, I felt like it was very rare. I've never seen that happen when someone's sharing their ADHD story. So hopefully that means our our general culture is moving forward in a way where we can have more support. And or you have really smart followers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do pride myself on having a really cool set of followers as well. No, I, I absolutely noticed that. And, you know, the whole thing with not being able to memorize even these very short snippets of text. I mean, it makes so much sense because we already have a problem with our working memory. Mm -hmm. And then on top of it, we show up for, let's say we're going to be recorded. So we already hate doing it, right? And we just put anxiety on top of anxiety. And then no wonder we're like in a fog. And I remember when I had that first video guy, you know, he was a young guy, he was a Stanford grad. And I remember thinking, very, very bright, you could just tell. And I remember just looking at his face and I could read that he was like, oh my God, this woman is an idiot. Yeah. Like what the heck? And it was, it was my words for you. It was their words. So I totally get that. But for me, it was my words, but I still could not do it specifically the way he wanted to do it. Meaning Mm -hmm. he would feed it, you know, he would say whatever. And then I had to repeat what he said. I just couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So thank you so much for that. So I absolutely want to talk about what it is that you do. But first, I would love to hear about your ADHD diagnosis. So could we start there? Yeah, sure. Um, So I was diagnosed with ADHD twice. So when I was in... That's very common. Yeah. When I was um, about six years old, my mother took me to my doctor and started the diagnosis process there. I was an extremely hyperactive person as a child. I was, I would jump off of furniture. I mean, I, you know, you're thinking, oh, that's, that's normal for young kids, but I was very disruptive (laughs) in an innocent way. And my, uh, I was diagnosed with ADHD. And so my mother contemplated putting me on medication, but at the time, Ritalin and other drugs that are used to, are prescribed to treat ADHD, they were new on the market when I was six years old. So my mother outright refused to put me on those medications being that they were so new, which is totally understandable. And she freestyled it, meaning I went unmedicated. She did the best she could to nourish my hyperactivity with academic things, with learning, with with science and all of that extracurricular activities. I was a Girl Scout. I was in sports. I was, you know, doing at-home science experiment kits. I was in the library. Literally, I don't know how she did it, but she was able to keep up with me, probably because she was a very young parent. (laughs) And um, (laughs) eventually that became my life. I was always in a million things. 
So can um, I ask however, you, Raven, mm-hmm. were you disruptive in school too? Did you struggle with school? Mm-hmm. You were. Did you struggle with schoolwork or did they see that, oh, this is a really gifted child. She's just got a ton of energy. So, um, <laughs> so I would get up in the middle of class and spin around um, <laughs> during the lesson. Like everyone, literally everyone, including the teacher would be sitting down and I would be up turning in circles in the middle of the classroom for no reason other than that's what my brain was telling me to do. Mm-hmm. And I would finish my work early. Like I would zoom through my work, but also my teacher would put me in time out. Like for, for the longest time she would say, you know, she can't sit down. I'm going to punish her. Like, let's put her in time out. You know, mm. you're not doing the right thing. This is not, this is not what the classroom rules say you should do. So, you know, you're being bad. My mother <laughs> caught wind of this and had a sit down with my teacher. I'm not really sure how that went because I was very young. But the way she tells it is she sternly shared with my teacher that I was no longer going to be put in timeout and that my teacher would have to figure out some alternative ways to deal with my hyperactivity. So I went into both special education and the gifted and talented program at the same time. Oh, jeez. Yeah, (laughs) it was a really great experience for me because I felt at home in special ed. There were a lot of other students like me in there. And I enjoyed the challenge of being in the gifted and talented program. However, I still (laughs) in that classroom was the only one who couldn't sit still. You know, everybody else was very calm and et cetera. And I just, it was irritating to me that I couldn't get up and like exercise But I continued in that space. I actually ended up skipping two grades. I'm two years ahead of other people my age at this point. And once that happened, I definitely slowed down a little bit because I was trying to keep up with uh, the the big kids. And so did you find that because you were more challenged intellectually, that that helped with some of the hyperactivity? Because clearly... Science has been your passion, right? Since you were a little kid? Yeah, yeah. The challenge helped. And I was re-diagnosed in high school with ADHD, and I did start taking medications then. Mm -hmm. And that testing process, I remember much more clearly. So can I ask, why were you re-diagnosed? Well, um, so much time had passed since I was six years old. And I think that we just wanted to reconfirm my diagnosis. Once I had skipped grades, my hyperactivity calmed down a lot. But once I got into high school, I was having trouble focusing and completing my work. Mm. So we revisited the conversation about me having ADHD. And um, it was confirmed by my doctor that I indeed still do have this disorder. And uh, I can have medication to treat it if I wanted to. At that point, I did want to because I was very um, passionate about school and my academics, and I wanted to do as well as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. So did medication work? Um, no, not, <laughs> not in <laughs> high school, honestly. As no. an adult, it does work. However, in high school, I think it might have done a little more harm than good. I personally don't think that I needed it at that point. 
I think that um, it was just a, a growing time for me. I was growing and I'm learning new things about myself. And I don't think at that point I needed medication to treat my ADHD. As an adult, absolutely, though. So what medication did they have you on as a teenager? Concerta. Concerta. Okay. And then what medication as an adult? Same one? I'm on a generic Adderall. Okay. Okay. Now, why do you think that it didn't work in high school? I really couldn't tell you. I mm-hmm. honestly, I think that there were so many things going on with my body chemistry at that point that I'm not necessarily sure if my um, lack of focus was directly attributed to my ADHD. I definitely still had it. I was still very hyperactive. I was a cheerleader. I was running track. I was in 50 clubs. I was, you know, had a ton of friends, like chatty. (laughs) That was always me. But I I think that my lack of focus was probably a separate issue from my ADHD. Got it. Got it. So since you were diagnosed, let's say the second time, has anything changed? Um, well, when I was in college, you know, it was really good that I had that ADHD diagnosis in high school because I was able to have accommodations when I was in college. And that's when I really, really needed to have that diagnosis. I'm really glad in hindsight that everything happened the way it did, but I was able to get testing accommodations and have a little extra time on tests and just having access to disability services meant the world to me as a college student. And I really do wish that they had more of that in the workplace, like for adults, accommodations for people with ADHD, but it seems like it's few and far in between. So what kind of accommodations worked for you? Definitely being in a quiet place where I could take my test and have a little extra time to think things through. Those were the top two things that I needed. Okay. And do you think that maybe it also could have been that you were on different medication the first time versus the second time? I'm not sure if if that was necessarily the case. Okay. Yeah, it's hard to determine. Yeah. And I think, too, when you're a teenager and you've got so much going on... <laughs> And you're trying to kind of compartmentalize everything. You want to do well in school. There, You've got all these social, you know, everything's new. Right. I can see why, yeah, we would be unfocused anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Even more so. So I want to talk now about what it is that you do. Maybe we could start with your science rap music videos. Can you talk a little bit about them? So um, right now, I do a lot of things, but I think that in a nutshell, with everything that I do as a scientist and science communicator, I really want my unapologetic self to shine. And I want to do that while sharing science and teaching the public about how cool science is and all of the the different ways that scientists can look like, can walk, can talk. I love music. I love hip hop. I love rap music. I love really all genres, to be honest. But I have found that I really enjoy remixing rap songs or creating my own music that is about science. And so I've grown in popularity due to me releasing like science rap songs to popular hits and people who maybe didn't necessarily enjoy science or have a thing for science 
would tune in and listen because they they're like, oh, this song is hot. Like, let's listen to the song. And then they listen to the lyrics and they're saying, oh, she's talking about science. Let me let me Google what she's talking about. And they end up learning and then they stay because they like me. So (laughs) it's been really fun building a community around science and music together. So when did you start this? Did this happen after COVID or were you doing it even before? I was doing this before, before COVID. And how do you know how to do it? I mean, do you, you, I understand you write your own beats. Do you do your own audio engineering? Like, how do you know how to do this? I do. I've been doing it since high school. That was one of the things I was into in high school. Oh my gosh. Well, and I know, you know, my son's a rapper. He's at NYU at Tisch. And so I know how difficult this is. And it just cracks me up that you can do so much. Not only are you a scientist, but you also know audio engineering. Yeah. It's engineering. I mean, you know, I guess so. It's an offshoot of, of it's, it's in STEM. It's, it's an engineering field. So yeah, I've definitely naturally inclined to it. It's so ADHD too, right? You're so creative. You're taking science, you're combining it with music, rap music, no less, and you are making it fun. So it makes perfect sense to me that you would be attracting people who just love what you do and you're good at it too. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I love that. So I'm going to ask you one last question. I know you need to go. What do you think the key to living successfully with ADHD is? Gosh, this is a hard question. I love this question, but I'm still learning, you know, especially as I'm growing as an adult. I think that coming to terms with the fact that you simply are just different and understanding what that means and not interpreting your differences and your neurodiversity as something negative and understanding that you're just simply different and asking for help when you need it at looking inside of your circle and helping them understand what some of your struggles are. And if they care and love about you, they'll offer ways to help and they will be able to accommodate your situation. I just have found so much um, relief in looking inside of my community and creating awareness about ADHD and really seeing how other people have been supportive and have offered ways to make my life easier, which which is what it really should be. With any disability, when somebody makes their struggles known to you, if you're able, you really should do your best to make sure that this person that you love and care about is is having a comfortable life or an accessible life. And that's, it's just so important. No, I think that is a wonderful comment. And thank you so much for what you're doing as far as getting the word out. And, you know, I mean, everything that you're doing and then saying, and on top of this, I have ADHD. And that is probably why you can do a lot of what it is that you do. Exactly. So Raven, are you working on something that you want to tell us about? Where can people find you if they want to know more about you? And of course, we'll put all this in the show notes. Sure. Well, the thing that I'm most proud of is I'm finishing my doctorate in April Yay. of this year. And I am going to be publishing some of my academic work. So definitely look out for some, some papers from me. I'm excited to publish some of my inner thoughts and my research. And you can find me online You can look for Raven the Science Maven on any platform and I should be there. Perfect. 
Again, we'll have all those platforms in our show notes. Raven, thank you so much for spending time with us here today. That was very fun. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So that's what I have for you for this week. If you like this episode with Raven, please let us know by leaving a review. Our goal is to change the conversation around ADHD, helping as many women as we possibly can learn how their ADHD brains work so that they too may discover their amazing strengths and your reviews. They really help in that regard. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you here next week. You've been listening to the ADHD for Smartass Women podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Outsuka, and we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Not coincidentally, ADHD for Smartass Women, it's also the name of our free Facebook group. We're a totally smartass community of successful, ambitious women who share our ADHD wins, questions, and workarounds. Join us at tracyoutsuka.com, where you can also find more information on our Your ADHD Brain is A-OK system. I spy a happier life for us, and I'll see you again next week.